at Galatians 6, 12 to 15 for a second time. And our focus this time will be on verses 14 and 15, where we find out not what the uh, false teachers here were were boasting in, in making a good showing of the flesh and boasting in their in their flesh, but we're going to find out what Paul's boast was and the ground of it. So, Father, I pray that as we focus here on Galatians, you would transform our old boasting in ourselves and in our achievements into the new boast in Christ and his cross and show us the richness of that here, the depths of it, the ground of it, the fruit of it in lives of love and perform it, I pray. Don't just show it to us, perform it in us, I pray, by your spirit, through your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. So maybe if you saw the first session on this unit, you'll remember that there were a group of people who were trying to make a good showing in the flesh by uh, requiring circumcision so that their own um, flesh here could be highlighted and uh, boasted in because they had achieved so much by way of law-keeping. And now Paul says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So up here, they were trying not to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And persecution for the cross of Christ rises when you say that the performance of the flesh here, namely the requirement of circumcision, does not count for anything in your standing with God, which strips people of their boast in themselves. It might be circumcision, it might be something else, but when you when you strip away from people everything they've been counting on or boasting in to get right with God, you make people angry and the result is persecution. And so people don't tend to boast in the cross, they tend to boast, make a good showing in the flesh and, and uh, boast in the flesh. And Paul says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus right here on the cross, and my boast is going to be in the cross alone. And here he explains what the cross achieved for him that results in this passion to boast only in the, in the cross. By which, so by Christ and his cross here, by which the world has been crucified to me, that's one effect, and I have been crucified to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor an uncircumcision, but a new creation. Now, what I'd like to illustrate from our looking at this text is um, question asking and then a trail of clues to answer questions. This is what I do all the time in reading the Bible. I pose questions and then I track down trails of clues that would shed light on what the text is asking, what I'm asking when I see the text. So here are the questions I see. Uh, One question is, how is it 
that the cross of Christ uh, produces Paul's death. The world has been crucified to me, and I have been crucified to the world. Well, he's, he's only referred to the cross of Christ, and now he's talking about his death. So that's my first question. How, how do you get from the, the cross of Christ, where Christ died, to the world dying, being crucified to me, and I being crucified to the world? That's question number one, and I'm going to track down a trail of, of clues here. My, my second question is, what does it mean for the world to be crucified to me, I, I sort of have an idea of what it means for me to be crucified, like I die. But what does it mean for the world to be crucified? That's my second question. And my third question is, um, how is this new creation related to my death on the cross? I mean, in, in a sense, it would seem like, okay, the world has died to me, been crucified to me, and I have died to the world. That's pretty much obliteration. <laughs> and now, no, no, it's not obliteration. Circumcision doesn't count for anything, and uh, uncircumcision doesn't count for anything, but what really counts is not obliteration, but a new creation. So, evidently, when Paul dies to the world and the world dies to him, the result is not that nothing is left, but that a new creation is brought into being. What, what would that be? Okay, so those are my three questions. And uh, let me try to, to tackle that. That um, Let's just take them as they come. The first question was, um, how is Christ's cross related to my death. Now, what you do there is you poke around, and this is one of the great values of reading and reading and reading and memorizing scriptures, that you poke around in your memory or in a concordance to find out a place where Paul addressed that. And this is a powerful place back in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified. So now he is talking about his own death. I have been crucified with Christ. Okay, there's the clue, right? So if, he, if, if the death of Christ is his boast, and it's his boast because he dies to the world and the world dies to him, this, this explains how that can be. I, when Christ died, I died. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, okay, he is living in the flesh, I live by faith. So faith here is probably the key how this union of Christ dying and my dying become one. By faith in Christ, when he dies, I die. His death is counted as my death. I genuinely experience by faith in him a death with him. And I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So my uh, answer to that first question of how does the cross of Christ, how does the cross of Christ here relate to I die to the world and the world dies to me, 
is because when he dies, and I trust in him, his death is counted as my death, and I die to the world. Now, second question, the world dies to me? What, what would that mean? And there, I, I would just suggest that you think, just think, if you have died, you have died to the world, that means I presume that you have become dead or impervious or insensitive or free from the power of the world to, dis- to destroy you. I died to the world. And if the world has lost its power to destroy you because you have died to it, then another way to say that would be the world itself has died to me. It can't destroy me anymore. It claws at me with its power, and it can't have me because I have already died to the world. So I'm dead, and the thing in me that might destroy me is gone, and and I'm dead to the world, and the thing in the world that might destroy me is gone, and I am free because I have already died in Christ Which brings us to this last question. How does this new creation relate to I died to the world and the world died to me? And let's go back and see whether there's a clue here in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I died and yet Christ is alive. This is new. Christ is alive in me. And if he's alive in me, then I somehow have life. The life I now live, yes, I do live. Even though I died, I live. But I'm living in the flesh that is in my bodily existence. And I live by faith. I wasn't doing that before. The the old me that died was not living by faith. It was living by flesh by self-reliance, and now I'm living by faith in the Son of God. So the new thing that has come into being is that Christ loved me, he died for me, I put my faith in him, and thus I die with him, and I come alive with him, I now live, and the life I now live is a life of faith in the Son of God. So I would answer that the, the new creation here is me alive by faith. I know there's more to it than that. I know the whole world is going to be a new creation. But here in this context, I dying to the world, the world dying to me, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but what counts is a new creation, and that new creation is a life of faith. And then my mind triggered, and this is what I mean by a trail of evidences or a trail of clues, my mind goes to Galatians 5, 6 to, con- to confirm this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision counts for anything, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now, did you hear how closely parallel that is back here? Neither circumcision, this is 6, 15, neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. 
And here in 5.6, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but only faith instead of a new creation. He says, faith working through love. That is, I would argue, that is the new creation, just like we saw in 2.20, where he said, now I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God. And that faith now is referred to here as a faith working through love. Now that triggers another clue here in 1 Corinthians seven nineteen, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. So three times Paul has said, Galatians 6.15 here, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Galatians, so put him down, Galatians 6.15, Galatians uh, 5.6, and now 1 Corinthians 7.19. Three times he says, neither circumcision nor, counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. And in the first case, it was only a new creation counts. In the second case, it was only faith working through love counts. And here it's only keeping the commandments of God counts. And how does this keeping the commandments of God relate to faith working through love? And that leads me to one last clue. Romans 13, 8 to 10. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who has loves, the one who loves has fulfilled the whole law. Or back down here in verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the whole law. So when you go back here to 1 Corinthians 7, 19, neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but only keeping the commandments of God. It sounds like we're back into law-keeping. No, we're not. No, we're not. We are into a new kind of obedience through love by faith. Circumcision doesn't count anything. Uncircumcision doesn't count for anything. But in Galatians 5, 6, faith, working, through love, which fulfills the whole law. Romans 13, 8 and following. And therefore, I come back now to this text we started with. What a riches, what, what a treasure house of riches is found in tracking down the clues that help you understand a text like this. So let's, let's sum it up. Paul doesn't want to boast in himself or in the flesh or in law-keeping or in circumcision. He wants to boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus because the cross of the Lord Jesus, even though it brings persecution, strips him of all grounds for self-boasting and puts the boasting entirely on Jesus. And in Jesus, by faith, He dies to the world that can destroy him. And the world dies in its power to destroy him. And in the place of boasting in circumcision or anything else of uncircumcision, there comes into being a new Paul, a new creation. And this new creation is Paul the believer, Paul trusting the living Christ who loved him and gave himself for him. And in this faith in Christ, he works by love. And in working by love, he fulfills the law and thus thus does the new commandments, which are 
neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counting for anything but only the keeping of the commandments of God.